This week in KMA Land, Page County Winter Mine Decision Delayed. Shen Council sets hearing on Johnson Brothers Mill Project. Marshall named full-time Shen Fire Chief. KMA Land residents react to Supreme Court abortion ruling. Montgomery County Supervisors postpone inspection firm decision. Plus, a creepy discovery at a Page County Recreation Area. I'm Mike Peterson. To be continued, that's the message sent by the Page County Board of Supervisors on a long-running wind turbine debate following a lengthy and tumultuous public meeting this week. Meeting in special session Thursday afternoon, the Page County Board of Supervisors held a public hearing and ultimately delayed a formal vote on the permit application for Invenergy's proposed Shenandoah Hills Wind Farm project south of Shenandoah. The decision primarily came after a discussion with Jenny Burkheiser with KYFR in Shenandoah, who says three turbines for the project are located within three kilometers of the station's AM transmitter towers. However, Berkheiser says there has been little cooperation from Venergy since March in seeking necessary information to complete their legal obligations. We specifically asked for the proposed height of the structures with and without the blades at their highest point, the physical coordinates, even a range would be okay, and how many feet, miles, or kilometers in distance the proposed turbines are from each of our respective AM towers. So uh, no response has been made about these questions. And so we cannot determine whether there would be an issue. In fact, I was only able to find the turbine plans on the Page County website yesterday. FCC guidelines lay out the three-kilometer distance from AM towers to avoid interference to the tower's support structure and signal if no other mitigation strategies are taken. Carl Songson is the Page County attorney. After speaking with Pete Stansbury with Nordland Insurance, the county's insurance provider, and County Auditor Melissa Wellhausen, Songson says the KYFR situation would warrant holding off on approval. Given those issues, I don't think there'd be necessarily much harm to delaying the vote to allow that issue to be worked out. So I guess my general thought on this is it's probably the safest route for the county after talking to Pete and then you guys to solve that issue before there's no ticket. A packed page room of county residents continue to call for the supervisors to vote down the project. Several suggested addressing issues such as reducing the proposed project boundary, which extends well beyond the proposed turbine area, moving 1,500-foot setbacks to the property line and pursuing more details about the decommissioning process. While some have dismissed the concerns as hypothetical, Page County resident Mitch Grossamy says the hypothetical is why the changes are needed. We're told we don't want to deal with the hypothetical. All we have is the hypothetical. We have homeowner's insurance because of the hypothetical. We have car insurance because of the hypothetical. Things happen because we didn't deal with the hypothetical. And we're going to move forward with a lousy ordinance because we're not worried about the hypothetical. It doesn't make sense. Despite the severe pushback of the project and questioning Invenergy's integrity, primarily rooted in a recently broken road use agreement, at least one resident says the possible tax benefits could be impactful. Resident John Whipple says he spoke with an Atchison County commissioner who says wind turbines were, quote, one of the best things to happen to the county. They've got the farmer income. They've got the tax uh, increase in tax base. The school gets a benefit off of it and numerous things around the community of Tarkio get benefit off of it. And one of the people that works at the school told me the same thing. 
that their school can do stuff now that it never could before without about these windmills. Invenergy officials anticipate the Shenandoah Hills project to bring in $1 million in property taxes to the county annually and $1.5 million in landowner payments each year. In response to the larger project boundary, Mike Blazer, who serves as legal counsel for Invenergy, says any turbines not included in the current project would be subject to a similar process and the ordinance in place at the time of a submitted application. If there was a desire to either cite a new project or amend the existing one with additional turbines. It's effectively the same thing. Given that the county has already indicated an intention to amend its ordinance, that new or amended project would be subject to the ordinance that was in effect at the time the application was filed. The county is still in a moratorium on accepting any wind energy conversion system applications. The board is expected to reopen the discussion at an evening meeting on July 12th to allow further deliberation between KYFR and Invenergy. Plans to renovate a longtime eyesore in Page County received a big financial shot in the arm this week. At its regular meeting Tuesday evening, the Shenandoah City Council set a public hearing for July 12th at 6 p.m. on the city's support for rehabilitating the vacant structure at 818 West Sheraton Avenue. Plans call for Melosia LLC to renovate the building into a warehouse and workshop to store rescued building materials for later use. Council members set the hearing after a member of the Johnson family made a sizable donation toward the project's cost. Norrell Johnson, an Essex native now living in Highlands Ranch, Colorado, made the presentation on behalf of his family. The Johnson family has played a significant role in agriculture in Shenandoah and surrounding communities for over 100 years. However, industry changes and consolidation in recent history undermined our ability to continue to be the positive contributor that we had for so long been. Johnson says his family searched for a meaningful way to rectify what he called their lingering not-so-positive impact. Fortunately, through some insightful and talented and experienced people from this community, we believe we have found a way to help make that happen. Therefore, I am very pleased on behalf of the Johnson family to make this donation of over $165,000 to the city of Shenandoah for betterment of this wonderful community. Shenandoah Mayor Roger McQueen accepted the donation on behalf of the city. We're going to start something here that's going to be an impact on the city, and we can't thank you enough. Other funding sources for the project estimated at more than $502,000 include $250,000 in tax increment financing from the city. Belosia owner Margaret Brady indicated at the previous council meeting her company would contribute not only funding but also labor for the renovation. At the same meeting, Shenandoah officially hired a full-time fire chief, and they didn't have to look very far as council members unanimously approved the rate and salary of Justin Marshall as full-time chief at $21 and 64 cents per hour. A department veteran for nearly 20 years, Marshall succeeded Ron Wesson as the city's volunteer fire chief in January 2020. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program Wednesday morning, Shenandoah Mayor Roger McQueen says both the city and fire department felt it was time for a full-time chief. Actually, the uh, department came to us because of Justin's workload. You know, trying to do this on a volunteer basis was getting overwhelming. He's done a great job of going after grants 
of taking care of things over there at the fire department. We felt it was a good time to do this. Among other things, Marshall was instrumental in helping the city secure federal grant money for new aerial fire truck. In addition to his fire chief duties, McQueen says Marshall will also handle building inspections and nuisance abatement tasks. He just completed one that actually, you know, we found out did not have adequate uh, fire extinguishers and smoke detectors and so forth. And so, you know, I think it's going to be more than just being a fire chief. He's going to be very involved in, uh, in building inspections and taking care of that. And uh, like he said, hopefully his stack of papers on his desk will start dwindling now that he has the time to do this. Marshall's appointment was effective Friday, the beginning of the 2023 fiscal year. KMA Land residents this week reacted to the U.S. Supreme Court's ruling overturning Roe v. Wade. By a 6-3 vote last Friday, the high court struck down the 1973 ruling stating abortion bans were unconstitutional. The ruling places abortion laws under individual state control. Several states are expected to outlaw abortions with the Supreme Court's action. Iowa Democrats reacted with anger and dismay toward the ruling in a Zoom press conference. Iowa 3rd District Congresswoman Cindy Axney was among the participants. Axney says state lawmakers made it clear this year Iowa is on the path to banning abortion. Today, when I woke up, I had freedom, more than my mother had. And in the middle of the day, I now have less freedom than my mom had. Think about that. They want to take us back to another century. This is not what America wants. America has said clearly that women's choice women's ability to control their own health care decisions is strictly to be between themselves, their family, and their doctor. Axney, a West Des Moines Democrat, says the Supreme Court's ruling won't stop abortion. We know that banning abortion will not work, it will not keep women from getting an abortion. What it will do is send women back to the previous century, back to the alleys, back to wherever they can get it if they don't have the means or they don't have the ability or the ability to travel somewhere to get an abortion. It will not stop that. Axney also expressed concerns about Justice Clarence Thomas' statement indicating the court should also overturn rulings legalizing the right to obtain contraception, the right to same-sex intimacy, and the right to same-sex marriage. Other local lawmakers were pleased with the high court's decision. State Senator Mark Costello says the ruling striking down Roe v. Wade was a long time in coming. I think the fact that it's going to come back over to the states to make the rules that they see fit to make on this issue. Uh, I think that's where it belongs. I know that recently the Iowa Supreme Court made a, a ruling on the waiting time that is, was also in, in favor of the pro-life cause, and so I'm uh, pleased to see that happen. As a result of the Supreme Court's ruling, Costello speculates a bill signed by Governor Kim Reynolds in 2019 calling for a six-week abortion ban could be reinstated. Struck down by a district court ruling, the bill banned abortions after a fetal heartbeat is detected. And Governor Reynolds indicated this week she would seek legal opinion on whether to reinstate the state's fetal heartbeat law. No decision from Montgomery County officials this week on whether to secure an inspection firm for a proposed carbon pipeline project. That's regular meeting Tuesday morning. The county's Board of Supervisors took no action in hiring a firm to inspect the county's portion of Summit Carbon Solutions' proposed Midwest Express pipeline. Roughly 18 miles of the more than 700-mile CO2 pipeline would run through Montgomery County. 
During the meeting's public comment period, one of several local residents voicing concerns over the project in recent weeks suggested some criteria for selecting a firm. Jan Norris of West Township says an individual previously serving on a subcommittee researching and interviewing prospective firms in his county provided possible questions. How many counties has your firm contracted with and how many can you handle? What is your experience with making sure agricultural drainage systems are installed properly and the land is restored? Do you have interest in advising county supervisors on ordinances that would protect the county, landowners, and their resources? Has your firm worked for Summit or any of its owners previously? Supervisors Chair Mark Peterson says he helps the board contacts interested companies again and is ready to decide on a firm within two weeks. Welcome back to This Week in KMA Land. Officials at a Page County recreational area this week dealt with some unwanted visitors, black widow spiders. Page County Conservation Director John Schwab told KMA News crews discovered a large cluster of the venomous spider at the restroom near Highway 2 at Pioneer Park during regular maintenance. While the black widow spider is common throughout the United States, Schwab says the large concentration was concerning. There's probably estimated between 20 and 30, which is a pretty good population. Um, so just for safety until we get get them cleared out, um, we just we closed off the bathrooms. Well, the exact reason the cluster of spiders was in the bathroom is unknown. Schwab says the isolated and grassy area likely provided a suitable habitat. They're really attracted to, you know, basements, outbuildings. Um, you know, rocky structures or kind of debris sitting in your yard. Um, so it's it's not uncommon to have them in the area. Um, the numbers that we saw was kind of what really triggered us into, okay, we need to do something about this. And it could have been something as simple as, you know, a spring egg sac that hatched and all the spiders just decide to stay around. Schwab says his department treated the interior with insect foggers that will eventually be vacuumed and treated again. Crews also addressed the building's exterior. Though all spiders are venomous to an extent, Schwab advises park patrons to steer clear of the general area to avoid increased exposure to the particular type. The only thing with black widows and also brown recluses is that um, humans are a little more susceptible to their venom. Um, so pretty much just stay away from that bathroom. Um, the rest of the bathrooms are fine. We went through them yesterday and looked. And just like any time you're outside, if you get bit by anything, um, everyone's body reacts differently. So if you get bit by a spider or any sort of insect, you know, just monitor it. Now officials hope to have all the spiders removed by the end of this week. For further updates, visit the Page County Conservation Facebook page or contact the office at 712-542-3864. Red Oak School officials turned to a familiar firm to oversee a comprehensive study of the district's facilities this week. At its regular meeting Monday evening, the Red Oak School Board unanimously approved the selection of Ali Pointer Macchiato Architecture out of Omaha to perform the survey encompassing the current facility needs and develop an outline for the next five to ten years. The move comes after the board heard presentations from three firms, including Insight Design, DeNovo Construction out of Kansas City, and CMBA Architects of Sioux City at a special meeting earlier this month. While all three groups provided strong presentations, board president Brent Blackman said he felt Ollie Pointer brought the most complete package. I thought they brought the most complete team to the table. And when I think about what is next, you know, we're not committing ourselves to multiple millions of dollars, we're committing ourselves to $30,000 to do a master planning process. That doesn't mean that we're acting on anything beyond that. It's really a matter of what is our you know, community input
but what is our long-term vision to do that? While the timeline is yet to be set in stone, Blackman says the survey would likely take anywhere from three to six months. Additionally, he thinks it would provide continuity as Ali Pointer worked with the district for the latest projects that condense the school from four to two campuses. Bloomberg Kathy Walker questioned the need for the assessment at this time and was unsure how much community participation the survey would receive following the recent bond issue. Is the community kind of fatigued with that? Like, are they? Are we even going to be able to get decent participation knowing that we're not going to come forward with a big bond issue? So, I mean, everybody can get fired up about something, whatever, but knowing that we've got a, a large bond issue we're paying off. However, Blackburn says the assessment is less about providing an in-stone process and more about thinking further down the line for a potential capital project. So what was envisioned five years ago gives us an idea, but then when you get more serious, you get closer, start actually building on that and actually zero in on what exactly is the need at the time, right? At least gives you ideas of what's, what's possible versus, oh, I think I want to go build a new baseball field today, even though can't put it in context with everything else that's kind of in that, in that realm of possibility. He adds moving on the assessment now could help capitalize on what he says is momentum within the school to help stay up to date as a progressive district. In addition, he adds it could address potential wants or needs that might have gotten left off the table during the bond issue, including additional classrooms at Inman Elementary School and athletic facilities. Board member Jackie DeVries emphasized the need to implement actionable steps. I don't want to spend this money and then this is a nice plan on a table or on the computer somewhere, you know, that if we're going to invest the time and the money to do it, then, you know, I mean, I think I, I keep bringing it up, but then you've got to be proactive and, you know, following through and getting things done. Board member Bryce Johnson adds the process could reveal new ideas or needs the district hadn't thought of before. The board suggested Superintendent Ron Lorenz set up a time at the board's next regular meeting to meet with Derek O'Neill, an architect with Ollie Pointer, to set up a more concrete timeline for the assessment. Nebraska State Senator Mike Flood won a special election Tuesday night to replace former Congressman Jeff Fortenberry, who was sentenced to probation earlier that same day for a conviction on charges that he lied to federal agents. Flood, a former speaker of the Nebraska legislature, narrowly defeated Democratic State Senator Patty Penzing Brooks in the state's first congressional district, earning 53.2% of the vote, compared to Brooks's 46.8%. The district covers portions of southeast Nebraska, including Oto, Cass, Lancaster, Saunders, and Seward counties, and extends north to Thurston County. Flood spoke to supporters in his hometown of Norfolk after securing the Republican-leaning district. Across the first congressional district, Nebraskans made their voices heard loud and clear. Tonight, they sent an unmistakable message to Washington that America is on the wrong track and it's time for a change in leadership. Blood says he's thankful and honored to represent Southeast Nebraskans. We look out for our neighbors. We care about one another. We create, build, hire, invest, and take risks. We put in the work every day to forge better lives for our kids, to improve our communities, and to leave something behind that's better than we found. Norfolk, Stanton, La Vista, Columbus, Papillion, Lincoln, our capital city, this is the heart of America. Flood will serve the rest of what would have 
Ben Fortenberry's ninth term before a rematch with Panzing Brooks in the general election in November. So let's celebrate a victory tonight. Tomorrow we begin the work of the first congressional district and get back to keep this seat red in November. Take back the House. Get America back on track. May God bless you all. May God bless your families. May God bless the state of Nebraska. And may God bless the United States of America. Blood served from 2005 to 2013 in the state's 19th legislative district before running unopposed for the same district in 2020. After years of planning and construction, Sydney's new water infrastructure system is officially operating. That's according to Sydney engineer and Olmstead and Perry engineer Steve Perry, who told KMA News the city has officially transferred over to the new water plant tower in Wellfield. The news comes after more than four years of planning and nearly two years of construction. While the city has transitioned to the new system, Perry's slight tweaks are still being made as the new system begins to reach full operation. We're in the process of doing some adjustments, you know, as the, the system uh, continues to, to, to work and uh, we make sure that it's working as, as it designs and meets the demands there for the city of Sydney. During the council's regular meeting Monday night, Perry also provided an update on the ongoing water meter project, which was included in the original USDA funding received in 2017. While the meters don't contribute to the system's ability to operate, Perry says it's still a vital piece to ensure efficiency. Some of the meters are old and need to be replaced, and so we can get some accurate uh, flow readings within the system there and look for what we kind of call unaccounted for water. So it just really makes the overall system itself from a production standpoint and a billing standpoint you know, be as efficient as it can. Now the attention turns to the decommissioning process of the old system, including a well field over 100 years old. Perry says the council is still working through details, including parts of the well field that could still serve as a potential water source. Just looking at the things that would need to be done to be able to leave that in a condition there that, I mean, it's still, uh, it's an artesian condition, so it is still flowing in the sense of uh, providing a water supply and would be used as a water supply there for, uh, you know, the local farmstead. Additionally, the council approved the scope of work for the old water plant decommissioning and a pay request of just over $32,000 to Eisler Demolition for the removal of the old water tower. When spectators pour into Sportsman's Park in Shenandoah for tonight's fireworks extravaganza, they'll watch the culmination of hard work by a dedicated team of volunteers. Shenandoah Police Chiefs Josh Gray and Bryston Dunkison of the city's water department are coordinators of this year's program. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program Thursday morning, Gray says he and Dunkison stepped up after the chief shooter, Charlie Spencer, Asked for help. Charlie actually came to the city, and he was having a meeting with AJ and Roger, and I just happened to be walking through City Hall to take bills from the PD over to City Hall. And Charlie goes, this guy needs to be sitting here at this table and involved in this. And I go, involved in what? And so from that point on, I guess uh, I got kind of put into helping with the fireworks stuff with the city. Bryston actually stepped up and said that he would help me do it. And so that was that was really nice of him. Gray and Dunkison attended a one-day training session in Hutchinson, Kansas, to prepare for tonight's display. The chief says there's more to launching fireworks than meets the eye. You know, you think of shooting off fireworks, you think about just lighting something with a, a match or whatever, or lighter, and you, a fuse goes off. This is completely all electronic. And so that, that was all new to me. And they didn't spend a lot of time going over that stuff, which is huge right now because Charlie Spencer is – 
by our side the entire time this year, showing us how to do that. So I can't thank him enough for staying with us, helping us. Gray estimated volunteers would spend 72 hours preparing for a show lasting approximately 18 to 25 minutes this evening. And as always, Gray says the shooters are taking necessary safety precautions. This year, the biggest one we're going to shoot off is a 5-inch. And just for a 5-inch, we have to have a 1,000-foot diameter in every direction from when we start to wire all those fireworks in that nobody can be in that area, in that zone, just because that's a distance. If something was to go wrong, one of those artillery shells could go off and cause damage. Grace's spectators coming into the park tonight should stay out of the roped area and be courteous to others. He adds the city ordinances forbid the public from shooting off their own fireworks in the park. A reminder, Star-Spangled Shenandoah activities begin at 10 this morning with the parade down West Thomas Avenue to Priest Park. That'll be followed by other activities at Priest Park through 2 p.m. and then activities at Sportsman's Park. And that wraps up this week in KMA Land. Listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. And for more information all the time, log on to KMALand.com where you can hear this program in its entirety. For the entire KMA News team, this is Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Have a happy and safe Independence Day weekend. This has been a presentation of KMA News.